Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to the Church of Mavis radio show. It's Friday night, 7.07 p.m. Central. You're listening to United Public Radio, 10.7 FM, New Orleans. That's where Joe Montado lives. I'm in Florida, and it's humid and very gross outside. It's like you can't, I can't even hardly go to the mailbox without like feeling like you're on fire and sweating to death for five minutes out there. It's definitely bad. We got, uh, uh, it's been raining a lot, so that's good as long as the power don't go out. But uh, we got Sumbo True, Be- True Feather here tonight. True Brother, sorry. Uh, Sumbo True Brother. And uh, Wham's running late. And y'all know how I get my co-host ain't here. I get, I get nerve, nervous. So she'll be here shortly. She's having storms. But Sumbo True Brother, it's great to have you here. Always want to interview you. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, how's it going? Hi, Jeffrey. Thanks for inviting me on your show. It's uh, it's doing well here too. We got some thunderstorms as well. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what originally started you on the journey of Sasquatch? What was the catalyst in that at the at the start of the path of all this? It's a little bit like what you were just telling me, a bunch of experiences that happened. And it started for me, I can say, in childhood. You have uh, paranormal perceptions, the very least, and sometimes entities coming by and dreams and out-of-body experiences. So that made me a little bit of an outcast to start with early in life. And uh, I understand that. I 17, I went on a journey around North America. I had just turned uh, 17 when I had my first close encounter with Sasquatch. By then, I didn't understand anything at all of what was going on and what, what I was dealing with. Sasquatch came and put down our camp in the middle of the night uh, by the Fraser River in a dark, rainy night and disappeared and we couldn't figure out between the 10 of us what had just happened except one guy had a sighting and told us what he saw and we couldn't believe him it took me many years to connect all the dots and uh, having more encounters more experiences as well with uh, spaceships and star beings and uh, non-physical entities. So what brought me to look deeper into it is first the uh, interest was raised by the experiences. And so I started looking for teachings and knowledge about these phenomena. And I found a lot in different sources and schools, but most of my answers came from um, native uh, ancestral teachings and uh, traditional uh, uh, 
uh, medicine people that I met uh, in different tribes over the years that I shared. That many of them are familiar with these kind of topics and they have passed on knowledge among themselves. So once we uh, can turn to those inner circles, uh, we get access to this uh, understanding gather them through the generations uh, about uh, paranormal phenomena like Sasquatch and uh, ETs or spirits. So when it comes to Bigfoot, who are they? We hear so many different things about who they are. I'm curious to, to what you think they are. I've heard everything from Nephilim, from the Noah's, the, the, the surviving the survivors of the flood and all kinds of stuff. Who, who are they from your, your perspective? Yeah, there's a lot of different theories and actually I've uh, listed a bunch of the encyclopedia of all things that's question that I published. Uh, different taxons, scientific names have uh, been uh, trying to fit them into the Darwinian charts uh, where they, they seem like an oddity. They basically don't fit in a model standard charts. Uh, what, um, what are they? Well, where, 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 how do we know about them? Let's look at the origins. And we can see that with research, that every or most ancient cultures around the world uh, had stories about them, some knowledge, some uh, uh, legends, even in mythology, we find every humanoid. So, who are they? We look at the first stories we hear, and we can still hear in some indigenous circles, for instance. They are described as um, keepers of nature and beings that live between the spiritual and the physical world. In other, in our modern terms, we would say in third dimension, it can change planes. So they can, it's what I heard from uh, firsthand from several native uh, elders, spiritual elders that the including from the savage people who, from whom the very name Sasquatch comes. They say they are, um, they have supernatural powers. They are shapeshifters. They can turn into, uh, disappear or turn into animals, turn into trees. They uh, talk in our spirit and telepathy. And I heard also firsthand stories from those teachers that they, they are connected with the star beings and they can travel in, in spaceships. Oh, uh, how Sasquatch came to be known to Western society around the 1929 when the first article with the name Sasquatch was uh, published and shared at large by John W. Burns. Well, I heard those stories from the Chehalis uh, tribe, uh, an Indian agent. So the name Sasquatch became known then. Uh, what happened is that the Western approach, uh, there are several examples to describe it, have 
taken this legend of Sasquatch and tried to uh, address it with a very materialistic uh, science point of view. And they have discredited everything. The people who had been in contact with those beings for generations have been telling us. And that in, that's not only in America. I met several indigenous tribes in Australia with the same same knowledge. So if we want to really know who are Sasquatch, we have to look back at the origins of the first people who, who have known them. And uh, do you think they all have that ability? I have a co-host. He's not going to be here tonight. But he would argue to the ends of the earth that they're physical only. And me, I think there's something else to it because I've seen weird stuff. So I don't rule it out that they are, you know, multidimensional. So, uh, but but do you think they all are, are like multidimensional? Or are there some that aren't? Or are there some that are? I mean, is there different like variations of it? Uh, to put it simply, uh, all existence, including us, is multidimensional. I'm not That's making true. this up. That's uh, scientific knowledge. There's uh, only about 3% of the energy we can calculate and perceive in the universe that is uh, properly physical. So there's oh, uh, at least 97% of the energy that is non-physical that is not perceivable with our five physical senses. So uh, that means if we want to stick only to the flesh and blood only, we miss out on the bigger picture a lot because the explanation is beyond that. Explanations, uh, we can have a million footprint casts or DNA samples or uh, pictures. And uh, that's just uh, physical evidence. And that's no, seems like it's never, never going to be enough for the skeptics. But beyond that, once we start to um, communicate and with consciousness, what, understand what's their place, what's their purpose, what's how they interact with us and with other beings and other non-human intelligence, we uh, realize that there's much more to it than a big ape knocking on trees. And that's what most uh, tens of thousands of reports around the world since ages suggest tend to, if we take the evidence, there's always a very, very, most of the time, mention of psychic feeling, uh, being feeling of being watched, being uh, paralyzed, or uh, hearing some thoughts in your mind, or something appear and disappear, defying the laws of physics. Uh, because the laws of physics uh, are not only applied to the physical world. They can be twisted. So when I say, I use the word interdimensional, it refers to a knowledge or a abilities to go beyond this physical matter to, to change the law of physics. And how many, when you see them, is it physically, uh, you visually see them? And then, of course, they communicate telepathically, right? But well, how are those experiences visually, some of your first ones, and when it happens? Yeah, there are a million ways to manifest. Uh, 
Just like any intelligent being, basically, but they have those interdimensional abilities. So they are not limited to our space-time limitations. So, yeah, uh, most often what you hear and what I've experienced myself, uh, you rarely, uh, well, most often what happens is that they basically appear out of the blue. And the next second, next moment, they're gone. They disappeared. And uh, there was many, many reports matching this. Uh, the other thing is the footprints. If you look at the footprints, uh, I've found several different locations. And uh, usually you can find one or two or a few. And then they vanish. It's very rare that you can follow footprints for a long distance. So that's another sign. And why would they just leave a few footprints and then no more? It's because that's where they interacted with this physical ground. And from another place, they switch in another density. So they didn't interact the same way with the physical plane. Do they? to your knowledge, interact with other types of beings? And what other types of beings do they interact with? What, what type of aliens or star people? Yeah, they uh, mentioned in uh, my first book of the Sasquatch Message to Humanity Trilogy. Uh, they mentioned the uh, intelligent, non-human intelligent species have lived on Earth. Uh, since long before us human. Um, and it follows like a, a principle of uh, uh, control panspermia because now scientific start to believe yeah, probably life happened, came from somewhere else on our planet. But a space rock is very unlikely because of all the radiation and distance. It is much more plausible that uh, intelligent life feeds life and uh, biodiversity where they colonize, where they, they see fit and suited. So this way they use some of the genetic stock of the are indigenous to this planet and uh, most abundant depending on the era. At first were the water beings uh, so they created what we, we call the mare people or the fish people. And uh, that's still have been seen since ever, and there's still stories of them. Next was uh, after the landmass appeared, there was a lot of insect and arachnoids. So they used those genes to create an intelligent hybrid that was the uh, insectoids uh, called ant people by other uh, but like the Hopi and many ancient traditions. And then as it moved, uh, the, the evolution continues. The next dominating class of life forms were the rep reptiles, reptilians. And there's so many stories, even uh, scientific studies that um, uh, and I, uh, Actually, consider that the reptilians uh, have been on this planet for a long, all along, basically. 
Taza, the world evolved, the next class that was dominating the fauna was the, the birds, so the, the Asian people were created, bird people. And the next class was the mammals, and then the Sasquatch was created. And us humans are uh, the last, the latest of this uh, lineage. And we have, as shown by the Sasquatch Genome Projects or other studies, uh, we have 99% the same DNA than the Sasquatch. There's 1% different. So that shows our relations that uh, us humans were not uh, just popped up out of the blue uh, from the apes. There was, uh, as we have a splice gene, just like the Sasquatch have splice genes to it, which indicates uh, genetic manipulation, bioengineer. So that's how life, uh, and we're already talking about doing it as human, we're not barely, we're not yet a star-faring nation. But that's what uh, civilization, when it moves to another world, it can inhibit. It will carry seed banks, DNA banks, and try to implant species that can adapt or be hybridized with indigenous species. And naturally, it takes an intelligent life form to oversee the, the process, like caretakers. And that's what us humans, as the ones before us, have been assigned to do, to watch over this world. You got a wham here with us. She survived the storm. Well, it's still, it's just, it moved just to the south of us. And it's still going on, but it moved to the south of us. We're mostly just getting rain. I've been watching the radar so usually if we get wind then we lose internet at least for 15 minutes so um it's all but here i am i am surviving yes <laughs> if i go away i'll come back okay because usually <laughs> usually if the, if the internet goes off then it comes back on in about 10 minutes so you know we just live in a highly rural area <laughs> yes and uh Sunbo, that's Wham. She's in Hudson Valley. Hey. Well, I'm curious. I know you say that, I guess, that the Sasquatch won't humans who are ambassadors. Uh, and I know right now it seems like things are just crazy as hell on an energetic level on the earth from crazy politics. Both sides seem crazy to war to just everything but then there's also a lot of stuff that seems like with the electromagnetic like pole shift stuff and like i don't know it just at one at some point points i get paranoid thinking like a foreign country zapping us with energy weapons i just feel so weird lately everything just feels mm -hmm. off weird and i know there's a lot of stuff with the you know earth energies and stuff but i'm, I'm kind of curious what are, what are they saying about all that this time we're living in now and if you could go into why they're looking for ambassadors, obviously to save us from destroying ourselves on some level. Basically, well, if we realize they are uh, our elders, basically relatives, they've been here but longer and they have learned longer say, and they have stayed in contact with star beings. And so, and they have done a better job at caretaking this planet because we, inherited it in a pristine state. 
So uh, there are definitely some very dangerous uh, options or risks we are facing now. And two of the main that I have mentioned, uh, one is, uh, is geoengineering, which consists in uh, manipulating weather with uh, high-tech weaponry to uh, basically uh, as a mean of control. And uh, that can go far into like, uh, we saw just uh, days ago, uh, spikes in the Schumann resonance. I saw that, yeah. Uh, 1500 hertz, you know, it's like a uh, hundred uh, beyond uh, normal. Uh, so those things happen and uh, we, uh, because there's also a higher and higher fleet of uh, 5G satellites plus 5G antenna link put everywhere plus uh, 10,000 particle colliders of which CERN is only uh, the biggest one, but they want to launch another one 10 times bigger in 2026. So what's happening is the electromagnetic electromagnetosphere is totally being twisted, uh, and, and the various patterns systems are all disturbed, which uh, in the long term can create a lot of harm to the environment, including us humans. The second big risk is the transhumanist agenda because that is uh, being implemented fighting with uh, gen genetic modifications and uh, turning human into cyborgs uh, more and more dependent on technology to start with and then connected to technology uh, with brain to machine interface and things like that uh and changing not only our dna but the course of our evolution and replacing soul or we can say intelligence of the heart with artificial intelligence so that is extremely dangerous because if we go that way and some will uh first we don't know how far it can get but it is certainly going to be uh non-sustainable doomsday scenario because technology can be blasted by a solar flare for instance and this whole dependency on, on technology can cause our doom especially if it takes over us as it's happening now. and i saw something about a weakness in the magnetic field somewhere where they were taking note of it like it like some area, I forget where it was, but I guess scientists were taking note that it, there was a, an opening or a hole or something weird like that. And uh, well, what what are the Sasquatch wanting us to do? What 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 can we do? I mean, what what entails being an ambassador? Well, one of the main thing is uh, the revolution. We can see or the the battle, the cosmic war that's going on. So spiritual issue. Uh, we're not gonna win with guns or, or the biggest jets or uh, spaceship. You know, we're gonna win with consciousness. If we can transform the destiny by the way we create it, the way we influence it, 
uh, the way we educate, uh, which involves uh, solving the problems of the root, uh, not just uh, the consequences of them. Uh, so this requires a reconnection with our soul. Uh, the mind has it's it's a tool, it's useful, but the soul is reminding us is it's immortal, so it's going to last beyond our brain, while our brain our brain waves will will shut down when we die this physical death. And there's a part of us, our consciousness, that carries on. And this is what we must reconnect with because it helps us find our place in the universe, feel empathy for all life forms, and to to naturally feel and adjust with uh, natural law and cosmic laws that are uh, inscribed in all the geometric fractals of the universe and the laws uh, uh, that make this world uh, balanced. If we do that, we can save our future our, and we can become a type one civilization, a planetary civilization that has finally has achieved living in peace and harmony with itself and its own planet. And when when they communicate to you, it's telepathic, and then you you write it out. I know you've had visual encounters, but is that how it usually works? Like telepathic? It's energy uh, information download, uh, as many channels describe. Uh, basically, it's like a file with a lot of information that is given to you. It's like connecting to hard drive together, you can see, and merging the information field. So you can have access uh, at this whole set of information. Uh, however, it takes time for the brain to process in linear time. So uh, basically, it's when the information download comes. Uh, it takes a certain time to assimilate and be able to transmit it. Uh, but it can come, uh, someone, people ask often, is it uh, you hear words and everything? Sometimes it's words, sometimes it's more like a knowledge. Sometimes it comes with images, with understanding, with sounds. And that is about uh, channeled information, but otherwise they, can, they have many other ways to communicate where they can make themselves uh, felt, heard, seen, uh, touched. Uh, and when I was channeling, when I'm involved in intense channeling, that's not all the time, they particularly manifest very strongly to, to keep me focused on that work. And you've had a, a, a alien, it will star people experiences. What have some of those uh, been like when some of those encounters and what type of beings? Uh, first, there's, uh, just like with the Sasquatch, there's been physical and, and non-physical encounters. Uh, going back uh, 83, the first time I saw a, with a couple of friends, a uh, spaceship landed, small saucer craft with a crystal dome, we can say, and there was a small humanoid with a big head sitting in it, looking at us, and we communicated the 
So I guess the first time for me, uh, telepathy is just like naturally happens. You don't even think about it, or even sometimes you don't even understand it's happening on this until later. That uh, uh, that's when uh, one of the first I had multiple uh, over 100 encounter, I would say now of at least UFOs. And sometimes uh, on a astral plane, like I was taken inside UFOs at different occasions uh, to be given teachings and information downloads. Uh, that, as far as I know, uh, happens in the astral plane. Some people would call it a lucid dream or out of body experience. Uh, you know it happened because you remember the details plus sometimes you have uh signs given to you in this physical world to say yeah that just happened i know a lot of my experiences i've seen ufos over houses with witnesses and it kind of seems like the ufos there for you on a lot of different levels which can be psychologically uh, taunting at times, but I don't know if I've ever been taken aboard a ship. If so, I don't remember anything at all, but I do wonder about them working astrally with me on different levels. But I mean, I've had craft over my home and my nephew, my brother, even my mom different at different times and they see it too. And it, it seems like it's focused at your home so it's kind of hard to, you know, explain away why it could be there. But uh, there's been many times where I've seen them over me. And I don't, if I've been taken, I don't remember anything at all. Is that, do you remember most of those experiences or do you find there's something there that tries to keep you from remembering it? Uh, it's uh, different each time, I guess. Uh... In my case, I think I was, well, we, I guess we're always shown what we have to work with, you know, and for instance, my first and such question encounters or, or ET encounters in the eighties, etc. they were like striking life-changing, but I didn't really understand everything. So I wasn't sure what was going on until many years later. Um, sometimes, and that's after all this learning and uh, experiencing that finally, also finding teachings, that finally it became clearer and clearer. Uh, when I had those half a dozen times, I was taking on a mothership to be given formation. And those were very clear and detailed I could describe things, the technologies, uh, races, places. Uh, I could see different types of being. There was usually Sasquatch among them uh, and others. Uh, in other cases, there were visitations. You know, like they will come to you and just uh, let you see them or feel them somehow uh, for a communication. But uh, I believe there's, I believe there's certainly parts our conscious mind forgets. And uh, we're usually remembering what we need to work with, I believe. 
definitely. And uh, so when it comes to their messages, does it always seem positive and is it always about the earth or you know being in danger as well what what are some of the messages that the ets and the sasquatch give you one of the if i go chronological order one of the first time i was taking a ship was explained to me a lot about the the technologies they use uh, things that I had no understanding back then, and I, I was confirmed by further research, actually, uh, like quasi-crystal and um, piezoelectricity and different types of um, uh, anti-matter uh, and also anti-gravity, uh, gravitational fields. Uh, all kind of things that uh, it's been studied and explained since, but uh, back in '86 uh, that time, I had no clue as a young guy, I had no backing, in, no background in physics or science or anything. And I explained bit by bit with different topics. You know, sometimes it's about our understanding our own healing, personal healing. Sometimes it's about our collective healing maybe about ancestral karma, the destiny of humanity, uh, where we come from, where we should be heading. And it's so, I mean, it's so vast that basically there's uh, no knowledge that couldn't be covered by uh, higher intelligence. I know one time when I was younger and I was partying foolishly, I uh, was at a lake and I saw some reptilian type beings and it was a weird experience uh, where the water, I remember the water at the lake being really warm and hearing some kind of music that wasn't like normal. And then the, the reptilian beings, they weren't physical like us. They were definitely almost like a hologram or astral, but they were so strange looking like one was humanoid and almost seemed like it had something in its i don't know if it was hair i would almost say medusa like but i don't think they were snakes but that's what it reminded me of but and then there was like a one that seemed kind of like a, a hydra like kind of like you know from greek mythology like it was it was really weird but my first initial thought being from georgia and my father being a baptist preacher and all that was Oh my God, I'm seeing the devil, fallen angels. And I remember being terrified, but then I started, I guess, telepathically talking to them and they would say positive stuff like, we love you, dance, and stuff, sing and write. It was almost like their Deepak Chopra, a self-help guru. It was confusing, but uh, it seemed like a very positive message. Is that how a lot of... The the experiences are that they impart kind of like spiritual knowledge. You, you, you sure uh, I have a lot of stories yourself and uh, I'm glad because you, you understand what I'm talking about clearly pretty sure. Um, there's definitely a, an infinite range of uh, different relations that can happen. Uh, it's not all positive. It's not all negative. Uh, it can be a mixture of both. Uh, I, I guess it's not black or white. 
it's a multitude of shades of gray. Uh, because simply because every uh, conscious intelligent being in the universe has a free choice and we can either be good or bad even the same person or the same species uh, so if we ask is humanity benevolent or malevolent it's very hard to say one or the other it's a mixture so if we look at the, the, any other species Sasquatch, uh, reptilians, greys, insectoids, you know, the mantis, and the, all that the most often uh, observed type of non-human intelligence. They have their own stories. Doesn't mean they're all bad or all good. Uh, there might be factions or individuals among them that are not trustable, that should be avoided. There might be some that are great to meet good teachers, good friends. And that's what uh, my encounters have taught me to understand. That's what they taught me themselves, that basically it's all about uh, free choice and individual choice. There's also collective karmas. For instance, if uh, humanity goes into a nuclear race, uh, war, uh, or any similar event, and there, there's a lot of suffering, not only in the human species, that come from that uh well does it mean all of humanity is bad because of it or, or it's the end of us not necessarily maybe some of us will make through that and do something else build better do something better but uh we must like consider that species that have evolved for millions if not hundreds of millions of years i have a lot of stories like that where some branches might have gone cyborg uh, controlled by ai other might have turned uh, hybrid genetically modified uh, others have made war others uh, have civilized and broke teachings uh, taken care so that's why uh, it's very important in any encounter as well with non-physical entities that you listen really to your your gut feeling your intuition how do you feel is it uh feeling like aggressive or trying to to impose itself or to control you or is it just trying to meet and communicate and no matter the appearance some some appearances can look frightening to us because they're so different it doesn't mean they're bad souls behind it well, just like some pretty people can be very evil as well there's a variety there's a there's a a-hole in every race <laughs> but uh well i know they I, I know a lot of the missing 411 stuff and i don't want to get into that too heavily but they keep trying to like pin people being taken by bigfoot or aliens and maybe that's true on some level but and it's like also with the reptilian thing people like to paint them all as some evil thing when that's not the that's kind of that's genocidal thought to look at a race and say everyone's evil that's like nazis pretty much so that's not the right the right path that's for sure but uh so i mean it definitely makes sense and that's interesting what you said about some factions you know turning over to ai and 
going cyborg. They say a lot of, of, of that about the greys and stuff, which is pretty weird. Some of that kind of stuff with the gray aliens and things like that. And uh, with the gray aliens, I think I've seen those astrally before. I had an experience where if I let the sun's white light kind of fill my body with my eyes closed and I went into a house and saw some near a lady that was transitioning and a grand, an elderly lady, uh, my fiance's grandmother, and I saw a, a, a look like an, a gray standing over her, but it was like astral, almost kind of like a pink. And it kind of looked, it was almost like that sun, the light from the sun somehow, I don't know, gave me Superman vision or something. <laughs> and I saw it, but that's the only time I've ever seen grays. But I haven't seen some very small beings in cloaks in the woods standing near a black box. And I don't know what in the world that was, but it was definitely weird. A friend saw it with me. A cat jumped towards them and they vanished. There's just so many different different things things out there. Uh, with everything that's going on right now, what what kind of messages are you receiving uh, with what's with what's going on right now with everything? Because like we said, it seems crazy. Humanity sure can use some help from. Uh wherever it comes and if uh, including non-human intelligence and also understand we are not the top of the chain we are not the ultimate outcome of evolution we are just another experiment and we can make it turn bad the way it's looking or maybe it's probably not too late at least for some of us let's face it if we don't all make it some can make it, uh, which means to uh, maintain our species and uh, lineage in a livable world. Who are some of the, the native tribes that you commune with up there? Wham has a bunch in her area that she, she's close to. And uh, I know you are. So, who are some of the tribes that you speak to up there? Yeah, I've met uh, over forty years. I've met uh, elders and medicine people from uh, all over the indigenous nations, uh, North, Central, South America, and Australia. Uh, what is remarkable is they all have their own specific uh, ways and practices and uh, stories and knowledge. But they all have some very strong common points, you know, the same wisdom, the same under basic understanding. Uh, like most ancient cultures around the world, you can talk to them about humanoids and about star beings. They know those stories. Yeah, some better than others, depending on the cultures. And I know one of my big experiences has been seeing beings of light. Uh, I've seen them many times, and one time it seemed like they were inside my house, and I seen them come through the roof and fly into the heavens. And it was after something told me to go look out there, and I did and saw them. When it comes to beings of light, have you had any experiences like that? And do a lot of these beings come across as kind of like a being of light when they're doing their shifting and everything? That's what I wonder as well. Is that like a, 
a, a universal thing like Bigfoot and aliens obviously are walking through different dimensions and stuff. Can they appear as beings of light? And what do you think about the beings of light in general? Yeah, that's the first. Uh, the first and the ones I've seen the most often, actually, especially in uh, deeper communication, uh, that's how they appear. They appear like humanoids, but it's a uh, being of light. Wow. Uh, you don't see the definite like traits or anything. It's just right aura. Uh, I believe that's a spiritual body that uh, even we have and a spiritual mastery and help our spiritual body to uh, we can use that body to travel. Uh, also, there's orbs. I've seen uh, and many uh, other people have had many experiences with orbs where they uh, sometimes they appear very clearly to the naked eye. Sometimes only a few people can see them. Uh, and sometimes they show on photos, but we don't see with them with the naked eyes because it's a spectrum of light. Basically, the way uh, it's been explained, I, as I understand it, uh, or an orb is the most simple form in the universe, a globe, a sphere, and it's uh, uh, the simple, simplest form shape that. Uh, beings uh, take when they want to manifest into the interdimensional, uh, third dimensionally when they want to manifest into uh, our physical uh, world. And it is often said that the orbs are observed uh, as I have with uh, Sasquatch or with uh, spaceships, and uh, they. In ceremonies, I've seen often special sacred moments where they kind of like this energy. It's when they they like to manifest. I had a, a medicine man, uh, Itzak Berry, say that the dead can travel in balls of light. So that's pretty interesting too. Spears spears of light, and it's interesting when you say it's like a humanoid form, but I guess you said you can't really see their features that's how that was with mine you gave me chills when you said that that's good you couldn't see any noticeable like us like eyes and mouth it's like it was kind of like a energy blob shaped like a human <laughs> like, like i'll never forget it that's for sure and a lot of times i've seen them like in the heavens almost like a star but it ain't it's more than a star it's like a light person in the heavens <laughs> like sitting standing there uh so it's interesting and yeah you never see like, you don't see eyes or a mustache or anything it's just like a like a weird light mirror like a very strange you never forget it and i've noticed when i talk about them i get goosebumps a lot of times like when you said that i did i'm doing it now and i think on some level we are them as well uh, uh that's Kind of what we are is like a light being or the energy you know and uh it's definitely definitely fascinating for sure uh wham anything you'd like to add i don't know i i i don't know i've been thinking a lot about all of this lately um things are happening so quickly it's uh 
it's a diff it's difficult to keep track. I, I, I remember just right, right before the pandemic, actually, um, I was at a, a gathering of Muncie elders and just, you know, regular, you know, allies and regular people, <laughs> non-Indigenous people. And um, we were we were being given some teachings about um, the uh, seven fires prophecy and how they how the seven fires prophecies about the earth changes are linked to, to certain um, patterns of lunar eclipses. And we're coming upon the end of the pattern in 2024 of the pattern that they are watching. And um, the, so 2024 is really kind of considered to be the, the year, the year when the world forks essentially. Um, and uh, you know, some, some of us, some of us will go down, you know, as you were saying, the AI path and some of us will go down the, uh, some of us will go down the, um, uh, you know, enlightened path, I guess, or um, kind of a natural evolution path. And, and uh, in other words, it's, it, I mean, when we say a fork in the road, we tend to think that there's only two options. And, and what they were saying was that actually there are, it's, it's, it's like realities are splitting apart, essentially. So there are actually multiple options, not just two um, some with more destructive capacity than others. And, um, all I can think of is, you know, that was like right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. And now that we're supposedly, supposedly out of the pandemic, which we're actually in a couple of other pandemics, but no one pays any attention to them. Um, It's, it's just like everything else is speeding up. So, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I have the sources of things that I listen to. Um, I know that the principal Bigfoot um, researcher here in the Hudson Valley has come to the conclusion that, that a lot of the experiences that are happening here, because they've continued to happen, a lot of the experiences that are happening here um, are warnings, essentially. Um, they're, they're basically um, attempts to communicate with whomever will pay attention at all. Um, and I, I guess the way I look at it is I, I, I make the choices that I make. And, and uh, all, like, all we can do is just, <laughs> hold on to, you know, hold on because it's, you know, I don't see anything. Uh, I don't see any, uh, I don't see it being an easy ride at all uh, at this point. Um, and that's kind of what the elders were saying is that, you know, we've had a lot of chances and uh, everybody makes their decisions and, 
I, I, I don't know if you remember, um, um, Jeffrey, but several years ago, we had a guy on who had done a lot of work with uh, the Aborigines in Australia. Stephen Strong. Yeah. Yes. And if you remember, one of the things he said was that they had, at least some of the elders he worked with there had a story that when this time came, that um, it would appear to people who were moving into, I guess, you know, the type of world I want to live in. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I have a real problem saying that thing, people are bad or people are wrong. There are bad and wrong things. But a lot of people who are into transhumanism, who are into that, not all of them have bad intentions. A lot of them are actually trying to solve what they consider to be intractable human problems. They just don't understand that we're not machines and you can't really do that in that way. You know, it's, 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 it's improper application and it's trying to flatten many different levels of reality, you know, together in a way that, that isn't naturally evolving. Um, it's, it's kind of like um, in the Jewish tradition, there's this, uh, there's a thing about um, try, trying to force the hand of the Messiah, you know, trying, and that's what fundamentalists are trying to do, you know, trying to create, force the world to be what they want it to be, you know, because, because they're just miserable. Um, but anyway, with this guy, this guy was saying about the Aborigines is that to people, when it splits, when the world shatters into these different realities all of the people that that um it, it'll it'll seem to different groups of people like people around them are just dying you know or just passing away um they 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 even had he said they even have a story where all of a sudden everybody that isn't going to be going to this reality just literally seems to go to sleep just goes to, you know but to the people who are asleep it will seem like other people are going to sleep you know and so you know in other words it, it there will be this there will be this great parting of the ways and you know everybody will experience it in a slightly different way what i'm experiencing right now is i cannot since the beginning of 2020 since the beginning of the pandemic probably 30 people I know have died. Three of them, four of them, really close friends of mine, quite suddenly, not of COVID, you know, just gone. And so I figure that's, that's part of the leaving, you know, that's part of what's going on. And at some point I, I will probably leave, you know, and that's okay with me. Actually, I don't have a problem with that. This, I, you know, this reality, this focused reality is not where I'm from anyway. Um, but. Um, Eagle and Condor. I've heard that. That's some like kind of thing like that too. Eagle right. And right. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying ultimately is that, you know, we're, we're in it now. Um, you know, I, I think we've, I believe we've passed the threshold essentially. And so feels like something's happened. Yeah, <laughs> so so I mean, I've been having these bizarre dreams and, you know, um 
they're not all bad dreams, but they're, they're, they're just, I can tell that they are of import. <laughs> so I pay attention to them, but it's like, um, we're just in it now. So there's going to be some moments of profound discomfort and, um, you just have to sort of, Breathe. I guess what I've decided to do is trust the pro trust the process of the good because it will, you know, the good will get done what needs to be done ultimately. Um, you know, the planet, the planet probably knows more about what it's doing than we could possibly imagine. So I, 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 I trust the planet to take care of herself in that regard, you know, um, but anyway, definitely, it's like a shift, and I guess you can get caught up in the material realms or go to the spiritual more, and it's probably like, you know, polarities. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, what I do is I just really, I've gotten so that, I mean, I pay attention to the news, like I always pay attention to the headlines, just like, is, is there anything I need to duck? today you know what i mean like in my immediate area you know but the truth is, is it's just the same old crap it hasn't changed like in my entire life um so uh, until there's it, it, you know until there's something that is really of specific relevance to me uh, there are there's there is news out there but it's not what is on it's not what you hear on the headlines. You have to like, dig. there's like, there's there, like I said, there's like actually two or three pandemics actually going on right now that we don't hear about. Um, there's uh, there is the, the worst avian flu on the planet that has ever been, that is raging right now, decimating bird populations. Um, and the reason this is important is because in the past that avian flu has mostly has mostly affected domestic birds, but it's, but here in North America, it has started passing into wild birds, which it's never done before. And it has been showing up in some mammals, which has never happened before. So that means that, I mean, it already is a pandemic in the animal world. So what that means is that that's sort of like the next thing to watch. Um, because if it's if it's passing to mammals, then it's just a matter of time before it passes to us. Um, and then there's a couple of others I remember reading about. But those are the kinds of things that, you know, when they talk about scourges on the... I mean, to, to me, COVID was just sort of like the opening salvo. You know, COVID was like, hello, we exist. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't make any difference whether it was made in a lab or... I, I don't care. That is a fault. Who, who gives a crap? Either yeah. one of the, either one of those, it is the same thing. It's, it's dicking around with nature, Still you know? killing people. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no difference where it came from, um, because it has the same effect. So, um, you know, it's to me, plagues of revelation. Yeah. Well, pretty much. You know. <laughs> It's just a yes. matter of time. Well, I've been thinking about Ragnarok. You know Ragnarok, you know. You remember? Ragnarok starts with lots of heat. You know, the the Cert the giant comes out of Bushbellheimer and brings all the heat with him. And is and, and the world would be consumed by fire would it would it were it not for you know the thimble winter which comes. So you know, 
So, so we have, so it's really hot right now, but we have really horrible cold to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely Ragnarok. And then Loki will lead the giant. So the giant's Bigfoot. <laughs> but, but, well, uh, Sumbo, one thing I wanted to ask you, what do you know about how they live and what is it like, do they have a civilization in this other realm? I mean, what is their life like? I mean, I'm trying to understand how they live. A lot of people say they live underground. Maybe that's true, or maybe that's how they travel or stay cool or whatever. I'm just kind of curious, what do you know of how their civilization is? The Bigfoot. They sure have uh, <clears throat> access to places we don't. Uh, starting, like you said, underground cave networks. Uh, uh, for instance, all the regions that have the highest activity usually have a lot of caves like Vancouver Island, the North Pacific Northwest, uh, the Appalachian. Uh, but also they can uh, switch dimensions so and even go off planet. So uh, it's much less a problem for them. You know, if uh, we blow up our, our own planet, uh, it's not like they don't care. And um, that's why they've been contacting humans more and more increasingly. And all statistics say it, uh, there's increasing, fast, exponentially increasing numbers of sighting and encounters and people who have experiences and show interest because it's an it's a important turning point of our collective evolution and it's time we remember the important parts that uh, to reconnect the dots and understand where who we are and where we come from to know better where we're going i know i've seen weird old pictures from the bible of hairy people now there was some site that had them all gathered some blog but i think it got shut down or they quit paying for it or whatever but it was like all these and they look like real i guess they were real like old old timey medieval paintings but there was like scenes from the bible but some of the people were hairy <laughs> like it was weird oh, yeah. But. oh well, yeah no there's there's like several there's like several instances of hairy people Esau and, and, or something yeah well saul becomes hairy i mean saul is he becomes hairy but no there there are other mentions of hairy people in the bible so. in the europe there's uh thousands of uh representations of them in the middle ages on yeah the, uh, yeah uh, churches and uh the paintings tapestry there's over 200 family that have them on their coat of arms we call them the wood wolves uh huh. so people have known of them since ever you know it's, 4,700 years ago in the Chinese encyclopedia. We've always known about them. And it's pretty much in modern days that we kind of, uh, with our rational, ultra-rational mind, we kind of lost the general ability to believe and understand who they are because they are beyond 
a limited materialist science. I think in another show, didn't you mention something about dinosaurs and Bigfoot? What's do you remember that? What was the correlation with that? It's definitely something I got to hear for sure. <laughs> well, there's a several uh, uh, places around the world where they have found petrified human-like footprints, uh, and usually bigger than humans. But some are dated two or three hundred million years. So that's much longer before uh, supposedly the first uh, hominids. But uh, if we take the, uh, there was the example of the Paloxi River in Texas, where these human-like footprints uh, fossilize, cross and go along with dinosaur tracks. And at some point, the dinosaur stepped over the human foot. So you. We know they're from the same period. And of course, that evidence, like uh, many other such things that are found, has been destroyed and uh, debunked. As, uh, although there are plenty of photos and videos about it, just like the, um, the millions actually of skeletons that have disappeared in the vaults of the Smithsonian Institute, for instance, some that are totally non human. The case of uh, 45 horned skulls from Pennsylvania. We found them, the photos disappeared. That's one case among hundreds and hundreds. And uh, so people ask where is the evidence? It's been concealed. If you go in Peru and Bo uh, Bolivia, for instance, you have those non human skulls in the museum. You can see them. And they have been studied and even DNA studied. And they are, they are non humans. It's just they cannot. Those were not concealed. They were uh, brought in public knowledge on time, but they're found around the world. And yeah, I've heard stuff about cover-ups and Smithsonian and stuff like that, and how they try to cover it up. And you hear different stories about park rangers and them trying to cover it up at uh, national parks and things like that. And uh, I thought when I was younger, I saw a Bigfoot, but there was some little mean kid in the woods with me that might have put it in my head or something. And the police actually came out and said it was spider monkeys or something. So I don't I don't really consider that a, a Bigfoot encounter. I do have a book that's different interviews with people I've interviewed about Bigfoot called Praise for the Hairy Man. That's really good. And it takes on every different, you know, uh, theory and everything. Uh but that I would like to I would like to see one. I think I've I've felt them. I know I've heard late at night. I heard a lot of frogs, and then I could have sworn I heard that tree situation where they hit a tree, and I've had some other strange things where I've watched documentaries and stuff like that. And uh, one time at my fiance Christina's house when we lived there, something hit the bed late at night. And I thought something fell off a shelf, but it didn't. Something hit the bed. And then later in our RV here in Florida, late uh, near early morning, something hit the RV like a slap. And there was no one around human at all but us. So I've had things like that. But what are some things that we can do to see them more? And here in America, it seems like they appear to a lot of uh, 
crazy Republican dudes that want to shoot them. And I, that's not me. I, I don't, <laughs> I want to see one. I definitely would like to see one. No doubt about it. I know my, my co-host Jay has, he's also a crazy Republican, but anyway, <laughs> what can I we am do? not a crazy Republican and I did see one myself. Yes, That's so. good. That's good. news. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what can we do to open ourselves to maybe, you know, do this ambassador ness yeah, well, well, there's been signings for uh, thousands of years and also long before there were any crazy Republicans around. <laughs> yeah. But there are ways that have been proven to be efficient. Uh, and basically, uh, comes from uh, common sense and uh, experience and knowledge that was passed on from some tribes, for instance. And the main thing is um, the intention and the attitude in your approach. If you want to go for, besides after them, with a gun or with trying to trap and trick them, uh, you're going to lose because they're, they're much smarter than, than us in general. And they are telepathic, so they know our intentions before we come. The people who go out and try to uh, play tricks on them, they, it doesn't work. But if you go with a good intention, which means uh, peaceful, which means respectful, which uh, you don't go with ulterior motives and your own agenda, you go there to, to learn and, if possible, to communicate and uh, you appreciate and acknowledge whatever they give you, whether a sound, a knock, a call, a footprint, or a tree structure, and even a dream. And then they see your reaction, how you respond. If you, if you freak out, and many people have an experience and freak out and they want to shut it off, and that's the end of it. And that's okay. But if you want to go deeper, uh, first, it takes patience and no expectation, but uh, with this approach, uh, you can, for instance, announce your intention when you go in the territory. You can uh, bring an offering or a gift, something you would give to a friend you respect. You can, uh, if you find a structure, you can uh, add a little something to it to show you've seen it. And this way, with patients, uh, there's a lot of uh, response. And one of the ways people ask what to offer, I've seen the Sasquatch themselves do it and probably taught it to some tribes. It's what we call the spirit plate. Where you take a plate, but in, here in nature, you can use a piece of bark. And you put all the little samples of food you have with you. And if you don't have food, you can uh, pick all the different species of plants that first makes you acknowledge and uh, honor all those essences. And uh, th th then it's uh, it becomes sacred. Uh, and I've seen them do that and I've done that. And usually when we, we come with this attitude of wanting to to learn and to, to honor each other. But that's, uh, so far I've assisted over 100 people in having their first contact. 
and that's the way it works. If you go this uh, with this energy, they will feel your intention and they, they will say this person is ready to communicate. Is that in your books, how to how to do that more? Yeah, there's several uh, chapters explaining that. Also, uh, articles on my website, as well as interviews. Uh, I'm in the process of uh, purchasing your books. Someone had them on eBay, all three at one time. I'm going to do that very soon. I also saw some cards. You made some cards. Those, those, did you make cards too, like kind of like an oracle or something? There were some kind of cards. No, it's not. Uh, I'm familiar with it. And uh, no, I, 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 I published uh, seven books in the last seven years, and uh, Sasquatch Message to Humanity is the first trilogy. And I published with the Sasquatch Guidance, uh, Harry Humanoids from the Wild, Encyclopedia of All Things Sasquatch, which is a uh, uh, extensive study into all the literature, starting with the oral tradition, mythologies, into uh, historic reports, modern research, and uh, first and second-hand experiences, and all the aspects of the phenomena, including communications, including uh, uh, paranormal. Uh, so. Okay, I found what I was talking about. For some reason in the store, they had your books and these cards right next to it. And it's some uh, reality shifting consciousness technology experience, a Sasquatch star elder at human co-creation developed by Seth Boyo Master. I've never heard of him. I, for some reason, uh, one of the 10 co authors on the book three of the Sasquatch Message to Humanity. Okay, uh, there was a demand for a third book, and I said, mm, I don't think I have enough time or energy to do it. So, the editor Kelly started to do it, and after a couple of chapters, she, she said it's a lot of work, so she asked for help, and I would we gathered basically. An international team of ten co-authors who have uh, communications with them, uh, including. Uh, like, yeah. I'm definitely going to grab those soon. I, I, who did the artwork? That artwork's very beautiful. Of uh, the Bigfoot uh, family and everything. Yeah, uh, Harris illustration. I forget her name. Uh, she's done some very nice Sasquatch uh, and uh, ET or art, I guess. And for our audience, the book is a Sasquatch message to humanity conversations with Elder Camus. Did I say that right? Camus? Yeah, that's the first of the trilogy. Then there's the Encyclopedia of All Things Sasquatch I mentioned. And after that, I started on a biographic uh, series, uh, three volumes uh, published in this one series uh, which amounts to over 1500 pages so far and all those uh, titles and links are listed on uh, the homepage of my website uh, scenicsasquatch.com and uh so uh you're gonna write a fourth book or you're doing a whole nother book next uh, is it a yeah uh the um... Well, actually, I just uh, translated and published uh, book one of the Sasquatch Message to Humanity in French, which is a uh, sixth language. Now it's available. There's a Japanese translation coming. 
Nice. Uh, I have technically a fourth volume to write in my biography, which would cover the last uh, decade. Uh, a couple other possible uh, projects on the table. I've been thinking to uh, do a book just of my uh, encounters with uh, UFOs and uh, non-human intelligence. Uh, that would fill a book in itself and uh, would illustrate because a drawing is worth a thousand words. What do you think about... Uh... Or what, what do you think the Bigfoot or maybe the aliens when it comes to psychedelics? That's something I've done in the past. I've had experiences on that, but I've also had experiences completely not on anything. And But I'm kind of curious, does that ever come up with them? Is that a way a lot of people try to communicate? And do they warn against that? Or is that something, I mean, natives do it on some level with different things, but it's done in a, a ritual, you know, a, a smart way, not an idiot way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh, basically uh, their medicines, and uh, you don't play with medicines, especially when they're powerful medicines. So there's uh, the way I learned from young age is it's a ceremonial uh, tool. It's a way to uh, can can be used either for ceremonial or for healing, uh, for vision quest. Uh, if it's used for entertainment or you know any other or even for commercial gain, uh, these things can turn against us. That's how I learned it. The Sasquatch, uh, well, they are keys. You know, they are like keys to open doors of perceptions, and they can be useful if well used. However, they are not necessary. Uh, it's not everyone's medicine, and you can like use them for some years, and then you don't have to use them all the time because you've learned how to open those doors through meditation. Sometimes. I'm almost fifty, so now I have to be careful. I end up in the emergency room because of blood pressure stuff if I do it. So I have to be careful. That's why I like stuff that's a little shorter, like DMT, which I haven't done that in a long, long time. But at least that's like 10 minutes, not eight hours of freaking out, thinking you're going to die. So, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, funny. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff, you're like, is this ever going to end? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> going to be like this forever. <laughs> but uh, definitely... Uh, it's definitely fascinating, and uh, I know one thing I want to bring up. I had someone from my uh, work, and I'm not going to go into who it is or anything, but uh, basically it was a work call, and somehow it got brought up about uh, me. I've had some Christian preachers on lately about UFOs in the Bible, and they're not what you would think. They definitely blow the stereotype of that out of the water. One's uh, Wallace Wagner and then uh, Reverend Michael Carter. Uh, and uh, not your ordinary what you would think at all. <laughs> but anyway, this particular person is r religious and basically said that anytime I have anything on about UFOs or aliens on the show, I'm giving credence to the demonic realms. So basically, I'm having a preacher on who's talking about this stuff, 
and I'm still given to the demonic realms when you have a, a preacher on. Like, there's this crazy people that they they don't want to. I don't know. They it's just their thought systems and stuff. And maybe some of those are the, the people that are going to get sucked into the alternate black hole Borg realm when the shift happens. But growing they'll, up, they'll get sucked into their own realm, you know, and then, and then they'll get to live the world they think that they want. And then they'll realize why no one else wants it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's like, Oh, that's what I mean. These are the people stupid. that are so terrified of, of life that they want to force everyone else to live the way they think they should live. And just yeah, it's just mentality that uh, everything has to be explained by the Bible, for instance, or that everything supernatural has to be evil. Uh, and what about our soul? And, uh, if you believe that way, you, you might have surprises in the afterlife. You might notice it might not be a cloud for eternity. A lot of stuff happening up there. <laughs> So when you were growing up, Sumbo, with a lot of this stuff, and you start talking about it, <clears throat> how did people react to it? Did you have a whole gamut of different reactions? Did you get a lot of, you know, <coughs> resistance? <coughs> it, 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 it's a very long process to uh, first uh, realize it's really what you're experiencing. You acknowledge it and hard uh, to understand it enough to share it. Uh, for me, you know, like when I was a, in childhood, let's say, uh, my mom taught me to open my third eye and see the aura and things like that. And I, I started seeing spirits and having dreams and uh, memories of past lives and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody uh, laughs or says it's your imagination. And we grow up this way, like pushing it back and, and trying to brush it off. And uh, when I started having uh, traveling and having paranormal encounters, uh, I could hardly find anyone to, to even mention. It's very often I would try and people would say, oh, you an hallucination or you you're making it up or, or so you keep it for yourself and you keep it for yourself until you finally oh you find some people with understanding maybe in a, a ceremony or a medicine circle or someone who has had experiences and then you confirms and little by little but to, to be honest it took me 33 years of uh, shamanic training, I say, to be able to start to understand and to be ready to to live willingly those experiences. Go out and meet the Sasquatch, speak with the star beings when they come and they answer. And in this way, your practice makes better and brings understanding of what's really happening uh, by working with it. And after so so many years, they told me the Sasquatch. They told me to write a book about it, and I I was like, "Are you sure? Because I'm gonna be put in a loony bin, and people are gonna think I'm crazy and all that stuff." And basically, it's like this knowledge has always been out there, but it's been hidden, and it's time for disclosure. It's time to bring it out, and disclosure 
comes from the grassroots level. Uh, it's not going to come from government and secret agencies that have been lying and doing the cover-up for the decades. It's not like one day they're going to suddenly become good guys and start telling the truth. And while people who have nothing to lose, no reputation, no career, no fortune, or nothing else, uh, and you put their head on the log to, to bring this information out, usually at the cost of their uh, uh, friends, losing friends, uh, being ridiculed and all that, uh, those people make the collective knowledge evolve. Uh, the experiencers, that's one of the main things I like, like to do with my website, to give a platform, a safe platform, where people can come and share their experiences, uh, like you've been doing, Jeffrey, on this show, and to realize, oh, you have that, I have that, this other person too, and we start to understand the bigger picture. Uh, all paranormal phenomena are connected. It's the same universe. It's not like a classified Bigfoot, classified UFO, classified ghosts, and uh, nothing interact. It's 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 a whole same universe with all kinds of elements and beings that interact in it. And the more we open to it, to it and perceive it, the more we understand. And I noticed on your site you have a series of uh, shamanic journeys, contemporary shamanic journeys. That's pretty cool, too. I'll have to check those out. And I've had a lot of different people on about that subject as well from different parts of the world, from Hawaii to uh, Russia, you name it. And I've always found it fascinating, and it's helped me a lot, too, you know, reading books like yours. And uh, when I first started going through all this stuff, uh, there was a book, Secrets of Shamanism by uh, Jose Stevens and so many different books. But it's, it's that knowledge is healing in itself. What, what, just tell us a little bit about those, those books. Is that you, your experiences with different tribes and stuff like that? Yeah, it's my basically all my uh, learning journey, uh, uh, which involves uh, practice and teaching at some point, um, through all kinds of different experiences, circles, uh, paranormal encounters, and all this kind of uh, story. Because when I wrote the Saskatchewan Message to Humanity, I first published chapters uh, on Facebook before it was a book. <clears throat> And uh, people were asking, who's writing this? You know, it's like, uh, so the Sasquatch asked me, okay, finish this book and add a little bio at the end so people know who's talking. But I had been, I started like in the, around, well, early 2000, like 20 years ago, I started to realize that all the 40 years of, travel in 20 countries and all the different dozens and hundreds of communities and events had taught me so much and I was starting to forget it. So back then already I had the vision to start to write it down and try to transmit at least the, the best parts that you can remember. And uh, then uh, <clears throat> I, I've been pretty much working on it over the years and the last uh, what, three, four years. Um, it manifested into this book series of the three volumes so far. 
and uh, see your uh, hairy humanoids from the wild, all encyclopedia of all things Sasquatch and disclosure of interspecies communication. When you say encyclopedia, does it get into the different types of what do you mean by encyclopedia? It's just like all the knowledge on them that you've come across. I consulted hundreds of sources to write that book. Basically, all the available literature I could find. Um, and uh, from my perspective as an experiencer, uh, when I wrote that, I had already been working with Sasquatch and been familiar with them. So they asked me to write that to kind of uh clarify some misperceptions and uh, some for instance there's a lot of stories going on online circulating that are totally fabricated and it's it can be proved by looking where it came from how it was twisted or made up by this and that author and it became mainstream uh so if we kind of you know, sort out you know what's been discredited or disproved what does still uh makes sense or has not been uh oh yeah you know from different perspective it's not like we all we can say what's true or false every time or in every cases we just can well our studies start to have a better understanding and we can show with uh uh, tracing back the origins of certain stories, uh, if they are actually valid or not. Uh, so why encyclopedia? Because it covers every aspect. I haven't seen any other books in all the ones I consulted. That definitely goes systematically over all the different aspects from chronology, from mythology, uh, ancestral, uh, native, oral tradition, historic reports, scientific research, and to uh, all the, what the, we know about the Sasquatch, how they build, what they leave, uh, what they do, how they behave, and what experiencers have learned with them. So it covers a lot of ground. Have you ever heard anything about Bigfoot working with the military or anything? I know I've seen stories of them being near bases a lot, like military bases, and trying to figure out why they would be near that. They're just there maybe for a consciousness exchange to show themselves, or are they actually, you know, interacting with their government or something? I mean, what do you know about that? Anything? There's many stories. There's also stories that some have been captured, by uh, military or uh, uh, chase, at least. Or um, <clears throat> uh, there's uh, stories that they have been seen observed regularly around the uh, nuclear stations as well, just like um, spaceships. Uh, there's also different groups and types of Sasquatch. So. It's hard to know in each case who's doing what. Sometimes they're they're coming with star beings, and sometimes they come out of their cave. Uh, if they work with the military, I'm sure the military has worked on 
knowing them or trying to uh, probably control them or capture them and probably even try to understand their psychic powers and stuff like that if we for instance at the in Walker Ranch uh, experiment uh, where you know agencies are involved in paranormal research and that's one of many cases they are coming out bit by bit in so-called disclosure that now oh yeah Pentagon admits we have seen something we don't know what and then a few years later oh we have been having a UFO uh, EBE bodies retrieval program so yeah nice yeah well, well we heard we just heard that now it's become public knowledge because some uh intelligence officials is said that but 75 years after roswell it's a little bit little <laughs> too late because uh we've known that we've known more than that through whistleblowers and insiders and experiencers so that's why i say let's not wait on the government official sources to tell us what's going on as we've been finding out, many people have been finding out, researchers, and, and that's how we can know the, what's going on. One of our uh, listeners, I believe it's Susan Bishop, on my end it just says Facebook user, but luckily I looked at Facebook and I saw her name, but do humans appear in their realm ever? Do, do, do humans go to the realm that these Sasquatch exist? Can they go there? Do they bring them there? or? You ever heard anything like that? Have you actually uh, gone there, or is anything like that? What happened? Can we go to that realm too? Yeah, it's a bit like uh, like I was mentioning earlier um, uh, when I, I was taken on uh, spaceships. It's uh, what's the best way to describe it? I think it's on an astral plane. It's a parallel dimension. Uh, where the time scale is not the same as ours. Uh, once they taught, they showed me that uh, because they took me out of my body and back in, and out of my body and back in several times. And what I realized is that when I was out of my body, it was endless space, uh, basically traveling at the speed of thought, faster than light. But when I was back in my body, it was like, in the morning <laughs> you know it's like all different density you feel like okay we're back in linear time and things go no faster than this and that's what uh that's a teaching they, they gave me so uh when i find myself in that dimension uh, of course it's totally different uh, speed of thought it's also the speed of learning you can have an info download in an instant. And that's when you get back in your body, you can take weeks to, to assimilate this information. Do we go there when we sleep? Is that where we go to when we sleep on some level, you think? Uh, sleep is the most natural uh, day in a way we are all given. Uh, that's why we sleep because we have to remember we're at first the body has to rest, but uh, it's like dying, but you don't. 
The non-physical body has to be active too. So that's why we all dream, uh, even whether we remember or not. Uh, that we can work with this uh, conscious dream and uh, do a conscious uh, experience, or it becomes uh, just being paying attention, being aware that oh, oh, I'm on this journey uh, now, which we call a dream, and you can influence and interact, and you're not just uh, drifting away. You you you're part of not just a part of the experience. I think in Anne Rice books, you know, the vampires and stuff, they call sleeping the little death. Sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to ask, Wham, when you had your Bigfoot experience, was it, you saw visually, right? How did that take place? So you oh, know, no, it was one of those real classic, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, coming home from uh, an evening class that I was teaching and I was going to stay with a friend of mine overnight um, because I didn't want to have to commute all the way back to my house because I had another class that I taught early in the morning, the next morning. So I was going down this very rural area in Dutchess County, New York, and um, I was watching for deer because everybody hits deer around here. And so I was watching for deer and it was, it was dark. I mean, there weren't any street lights or anything. And, um, I came around this left corner. It was kind of a hairpin corner, um, that sort of, you came around it and then there was a little bit of a, an incline up the road, up the street. And as I came around it, my headlights hit this thing crossing the road um it was i only saw it for two or three seconds because when my light hit it um it 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 hurried off the road you know it like it sped up but it was it, it was walking bipedally i could see very i didn't see its face clearly because when i when my light hit it it's its hand went up like this. It clearly startled it, but it was covered with kind of reddish long hair, you know, and it was, it was, uh, walking upright, um, and, um, you know, striding. And there was a, there was like a street sign right there that was kind of warning people that, you know, to be careful because there was like a drop off so you wouldn't like fall off of it that it walked right in back of and and i didn't think about it at the time but it just walked right off that drop off you know what i mean it was like it didn't it, yeah it just it was like it just it was like it was like a seven foot drop off you know and it just it was like it just didn't phase it but anyway, there was a sign sign there that I was able to go back the next day and kind of use it to gauge its height, how tall it was. And it had to have been eight or nine feet tall. There was no way it could have been a bear. Um, bears don't walk like that, for one thing. But it was it startled me so much that I just, because I was expecting, you know, deer or whatever, that I just slammed on my brakes. It just stopped for, for a minute. 
and just kind of was like, oh my God, what did I just see? Because <laughs> you know? like I've seen other things, but I was not expecting to see anything like that. And then um, I didn't really tell anybody about it for a while. And I did some internet research like a few days later and found out that people right in that area had been seeing things um, and experiencing things um, for about a year prior to, you know, uh, me seeing this. So I, I, so I kind of was seeing this in the middle of sort of a, a cluster of, of experiences that other people were having. And it was because of that, that I sought out Gail, you know, my friend who is the, who is the person who founded the Bigfoot researchers of the Hudson Valley, because it was like, when I got online and started looking, her name came up and then I, and then like a few weeks later, she was giving like a presentation at a local coffee shop. And so I, I went there and I saw it and met her and, you know, that was, I, I actually had very little interest in Bigfoot or Sasquatch prior to that. It's not that I didn't believe in, in it, in the possibility of it. I just didn't really have an opinion, you know, one way or the other. Um, I didn't know enough about it. I hadn't actually seen anything. So, you know, then it, then I became interested, obviously. So it's the case for a lot of people that it just happens in your life. And yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and it was funny because um, once I, when I met Gail, she had only been like researching Bigfoot for maybe a couple of years, even though her first experience was when she was a, a teenager, you know, but she'd only really been researching it for a couple of years. And at the time when I talked to her, she was like, you know, a kind of classic nut and bolts person, you know, I mean, she, she believed that it was only, you know, some kind of a, just, just an actual living creature that we hadn't yet identified scientifically and uh and not long you know that winter later that winter she had a series of experiences that she talks about that changed her view about all of it um and connected it to if not, you know, classic UFOs, at least the lights in the sky, you know, in a, in a range of other phenomena um, that previously she kind of disregarded and she experienced it herself. So, you know, um, her own view has evolved over time. And so now she sees them as, and then, then, then I went on and learned a bunch of stuff about how indigenous people here saw beings like that and the history of that and and was taught some things about that like i was i i, I would you know like i was i was taught a cree bigfoot song sasquatch song and you know and some prayers to say and things like that before she, before you go into the woods and and so i shared some of that with her and it's changed her experiences of it now, um, of, of, of the whole thing. So um, it's, it's interesting how those things evolve, you know. Definitely. Exactly. I've noticed in the last few years a huge shift 
and the collective consciousness, you can say, uh, where a lot of uh, Bigfoot researchers and enthusiasts who uh, finally open and start to realize that there's more than what we thought about it. There's definitely some paranormal aspects and there's are definitely there are people who, who have multiple encounters and communications mm -hmm. and so that means maybe we started on the wrong foot facing a big ape and that's what i believe uh, that's what i know i would say so i've seen examples of um, more conventional researchers and uh, uh, that uh, take the scientific approach, which is uh, noble, but end up finding that, wow, here they have an experience or something that find, or they hear so many uh, reports that makes them understand finally there's some paranormal and uh, psychic aspects. So it's, it's more than just trying to identify another species it's trying to uh, it's bring us to a wider understanding of uh, intelligence in the universe what's yeah. yeah. going see the the some of the some of the mohican elders actually that i've spoken to here um they kind of think that uh I mean, the Hudson Valley has sort of gone through its own travails, if you will. You know, a lot of people don't know it, but, you know, in the last 400 years, it's been clear cut twice. It's been clear cut and grew back twice. And obviously that has affected, you know, the, you know, the animal profiles and the plant profiles, but it also has you know, it's clearly damaged the environment um, significantly. I mean, it's really because of that, 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 you know, we have a lot of the environmental imbalances that are leading to the spread of certain kinds of diseases like Lyme and, and other things like that. Um, and uh, in fact, I'm, I'm finishing up a, 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 a two, a two week prophylactic course. Cause I was bit about two weeks ago by a tick that I sent in for testing and it tested positive for Lyme. Now I don't have any symptoms and I've had Lyme before, but they were taking precautions, you know what I mean? But it's like, um, the Mohican elders have said that they think that what basically is going on is an attempt. It's kind of like, you know, um, the way, the way Bigfoot was understood here, it wasn't called Bigfoot. It was called Masinkwe. The way Masinkwe was understood here is as a guardian of the forest. And yes. you were, and, and you were to have a, a certain kind of relationship with that guardian, um, yes. in order to maintain balance. And, uh, so, you know, they, they basically said that this is sort of these sightings and these clusters of experiences that people are having are attempts by Masinkwe to connect with people um, yeah. to, to uh, you know, not just warn them, but just to connect with them um, because there is information that can be given about 
about how to deal with these diseases, about how to deal with these imbalances, about what to, you know, what to do with all of that. And um, so some people are trying to do that. Some people aren't, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's like everywhere yeah. else. It's like everywhere else. Well, know? everyone, we got like <clears throat> one minute, excuse me. Uh, Sunbow, True Brother, it's been an amazing show. Thank you so much. I loved it so much. You. <clears throat> and your site is scenicsasquatch.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be picking up a lot of your books. That's If I got all four of the Bigfoot ones, that's like a thousand pages. That's like a phone book of Bigfoot. <laughs> a phone book of Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. And you throw in the shaman ones. That's like, yeah, wow. Yeah. I love it, though. I love this. And I think it's about raising consciousness. I've told a story before when I was having trouble getting interviews. I said a prayer in my early days, in my, my yonder years. And I had a UFO sighting of these red energies in the sky. And then the next thing you know, I was getting interviews with Stanton Friedman, Lloyd Pye, and all these people I saw in documentaries like the aliens gave me the, the, the hookup. So I think yeah. it's about raising consciousness. It's definitely a part of breaking down that wall, hopefully, so something positive comes from all this madness. But we appreciate it so much. We'll have to get you on again sometime. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to watch that new uh, Superman cartoon on HBO Max. It's by Adult Swim. I need some Superman in my life somehow. Something. <laughs> Hopefully there's some Brainiac. But everybody have a good weekend. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Thanks, Wham.